The Pokes Report podcast is sponsored by Stillwater Barber Company, located at 609 South Main Street, right here in Stillwater. Randall and Joe are serving up the best haircuts in town, which includes regular haircuts and skin and razor fades, as well as shaves and beard care and trims. The beard care includes a wonderful blend of beard balm, beard oil, and just a little bit of steam to bring it all together. And we've got great news for the guys with the beards. Randall is selling all of his beard oils at 40% off the entire month of September, and as always, shampoo and conditioners are two for $20, and I can vouch for the shampoo because that's what I've been using for the past several months. It's a wonderful tea tree oil shampoo, paraben and sulfate-free that leaves your hair and scalp squeaky clean and smelling great. And as always, you can find Blue roaming around the shop. So give them a call at 405-269-8590, or you can check them out at stillwaterbarber.co to book an appointment today. Welcome into the Pokes Report Podcast. Zach Lancaster here alongside Brian Murphy. Coming off a impressive yet not impressive win, 63-7 over Arkansas Pine Bluff. I say not impressive because... I'm interested to see where you go well, with that. I, not impressive because it was expected. All right, that's that's where I was. It's 63-7 win over any team is like, wow, that's, a, that's awesome. But then you say, okay, well, you should have done that. So it's a little less impressive because that's what should have happened. I we'll we'll dive into this more. Um I don't think I had any expectations going into that ball game because I knew I knew Spencer would have a really good game. I knew um after the after I saw the running game, I'll get your thoughts on this in a second. I don't know if the the plan was to run the ball really really well because you could do it anyway. My for me it was objectives, not expectations. So the objective was to get at least one backup quarterback significant snaps to get the second and third string defensive players significant snaps to work on communication. Not so much is the offensive line going to run block better. Is the, is the passing game going to be more explosive? Is the defense going to come up with more third down stops or fourth down stops? Is Tom Hutton going to be able to kick the ball average in 45 yards a kick or whatever. To me, it was never expectations. It was always objectives of backups. And that's what we saw. Spencer was good, 13 to 16, 81%. You know, he threw for 242 yards. And how many touchdowns, Brian? That would be four of them. Let me tell you. Four let me through the air. That's a nice over Let me tell you. Pushed it. I pushed it, too. I pushed it four. But I wouldn't be surprised if he combined for six. He had negative one rushing yard. <laughs> I think I think he needs to um, go to Coach Gundy's office and probably just turn in the helmet. I mean, if you get negative one rushing yard against Arkansas Pine Bluff, I think we're done here. And I'm, I'm joking. And by that's the way. why when you look at Dominic Richardson, seven for twenty three, that's where because I I did a couple of radio hits in Tulsa yesterday, and both of the both stations asked me if I thought that was cause for concern, and I said for me the running game there's always concern but not so much Arkansas Pine Bluff because I think if you wanted to, you could have rushed for as many yards as you as you could have. You could have... Now, obviously, Dominic wasn't as good as he should have been, but if they wanted to continue with that, they could have left the starting offensive line out for longer than they did. They could have left the starting... They could have left Spencer out there. They could have left Gunner, or they could have left Dominic out there. They could have ran for what they wanted to because you could see that they were wearing down that defense. They were scoring at will. So I don't think they were like, well, this is a, this is bad. 
Obviously, I don't know, but I, I don't think the coaches were on the sidelines saying, we can't run the ball against Arkansas Pine Bluff. We're in trouble. I think it was, we don't need to run the ball effectively against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Now, I do think there is cause for concern moving forward, but not because of Pine Bluff. I think that you just need consistency from your running backs. You need your offensive line to continue to run block better. But I, I don't look at Pine Bluff and say, damn, dude, they, they only rushed for 168 yards and 53 came on one run. I don't, that's not my cause for concern because I don't think they needed to, so I don't think they did. Does that, does that make any sense? It does. Uh, so when you're a Pine Bluff, when you're going against, you're, you're putting all your chips in stopping something. Yeah. Whether it's the pass, it's the run. You have to pick something. You can't be in the middle. They put all their chips into stopping the run. Because they knew they, they weren't going to stop Spencer through there the was air. A, there was eight in the box. Um, and even whenever, when Gunner came in, they they backed off a little bit. They were more, I don't know, your traditional 4-3. Mm-hmm. You know, Gunner had a lot of running rooms. Gunner really ran well. Because uh, there was a couple of Did you of ever runs. see him in high school? Yes. Like oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was he was, was a statue. He was not he was, that. He was Mason Rudolph. Yeah. Gunner has the year that he took off, the his true freshman year, Gunner had well, I guess he's a retro freshman now, so what whatever. The the right. first year he was in college, he has greatly improved him. So he is mm-hmm. a different person. And and he gave, you know, on the the drive home, we could hear uh Robert talk to him mm-hmm. in the locker room and he gave all that credit to uh Coach Glass. He yeah. Same and, same thing in post game. Yeah, and you know, you don't think about you don't think about a quarterback being a body by glass. Uh I now think about Darren Trump being a body, body by glass, but that dude was jacked. Um linebacker? No, offensive lineman. Oh my goodness. Threw me for a loop. It did. No, I'm <laughs> with you. But Gunner got he got at least the the rest of the second quarter and most of the third quarter with the starting offensive line. It's the like most people su- listen. The most surprising thing for me is the fact that they pulled Spencer two minutes into the second quarter. Yeah, well, I, I know why. Well, I, I do too. Because he was running. <laughs> what are you doing? But just thinking back through it, go go back through all the all the games that Mike Gundy has coached. All the all the blowouts against Kansas or Savannah, maybe not Savannah State, but if you go back through all the blowouts that Oklahoma State's ever had, the quarter starting quarterback stays in until at least one drive into the third. Yeah, well, I thought it was incredibly important that Gunner got a lot of snaps, but mm-hmm. I didn't expect him to get third. The, the, the first drive was his first drive was four handoffs to uh, to Dominic, and that was the fumble. Uh, Let's see, where are you? Uh, 13 minutes and 9 seconds into the sec- with left in the second quarter. And wasn't it already 42 to nothing? Wasn't it 42 at that point? I mean, it I think was, that was more... Because you, you had the touchdown pass from Spencer to Brennan with 14-18 left, and that made it... Does it show the score there? It doesn't show the score, but I think that's where... It was it was pretty much like that. It doesn't show the scores here. Yeah, the fourteen um, eighteen. It was thirty five, and then at ten fifty, that was the 30, Corey Black. He, he came in thirty five nothing. Is when is when so thirty five. Okay. What's interesting that touchdown? I'll let you get to Spencer in, or to Gunner in a second. That touchdown from Spencer to Brennan Presley. That is Brennan's first regular season non conference touchdown in his career. Really, he's had touchdowns in bowl games, yeah. but that was his first regular season non conference touchdown. That's cool. Yeah. Well, and and what's neat this year is uh, OSU Stats and Info came out with it yesterday that we have 13 different people who have scored a touchdown in only, three games. Only school in the country. Only school 
but even if even if we shared that with six other schools, uh, thirteen different people yeah. getting into the end zone. Moms and dads very proud. Well, let's go, let's see if we can try to figure them out. Oh goodness! Because you've got two defenders, right? You got Trace yep. Ford and Corey Black. There's two. Yep. Spencer, John Paul, Talon Shetron, Brennan Presley, Gunner Gundy, Johnson, Braden Johnson, uh, Bryson Green. Does Bryson have a Bryson touchdown? has one? So there's nine. Um, Jaden. Dom, J- did you say Jaden Nixon? Jaden Nixon, Dominic Richardson, Ollie. Ollie Gordon, twelve. I think. I think that's twelve. That may be thirteen. Uh, and Zach Middleton. And Zach Middleton, thirteen. That's right. There you go. So there you go. Wow, we're when you, did, where sir. was where was Jaden's touchdown? When was was that game one? Was that Central Michigan? Yep, game one. It was a uh, it was in that. the it was in the East End Zone. Um, it was on a it was on a little pass, I think. I look at. I don't remember that. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I just don't remember it. I yeah. had a lot of football in the, the past only three weeks. Uh, 17 yard pass from Spencer to go up 30 to seven in the second quarter. Uh, and the only reason I remember that is I texted you all caps, Jaden. That's know. right. That's so, right. So thir- there's 13 off the cuff. That's wow, pretty impressive. Smart. You sir nailed it. Oh, wow, so wow. with the, with the running game, the, when they come down to, when they put eight in the box, mm-hmm. I feel like, yes, our guys are, are bigger, stronger. It still becomes a numbers game. The, the bigger and stronger thing and they put up a really cool. I love the new uh, sports science type thing that they're putting up in the middle of the second quarter or Absolutely. whatever it is. That's really cool. Uh, my kids were there. Son was just intrigued with it. He's asking me, well, "What's momentum?" You know, and all that stuff. So when when your numbers are better on the defense than they are on the offense in the box, mm-hmm. it's still tough to run. The reason that Ollie got his thing, it went outside. His run went all the way to the outside. Anything we tried to do. Uh, between the tackles was tough. Even Spencer didn't have a lot of running room, as you saw there. And then by the time they backed it up a little bit, Gunner had more room to run. Uh, and Gunner put some moves on some dudes. I mean, he gave he gave somebody the old shoulder pad shake and then went to the left and off to the races. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think coming out of that, you still see that Spencer needs to be protected at all cost. Uh, Gunner, he took a couple of shots that were definitely unwarranted. That, yeah, they, they did a corner blitz. It was a nice one uh, in the first, um, let's see, I think it was on the, wasn't the pass interference. It may have been the touchdown pass um, that they did a corner blitz. It was it was a nice drawn-up play. I mean, I've gone back and watched. The guy sells the heck out of the fact that he's going to be in tight coverage, and then bang, there he goes. Nobody sees him. Um, guessing that gets coached up. But uh, Spencer, and you hear it from the fans. I mean, the fans even know when he's running needlessly. Yeah against uh, Arkansas Pine, but dude, throw it away. The biggest claim to or their slide. year will be the the biggest claim to their year will be ah we took it we changed their season because it took out Spencer and yeah. and by the time Gunner got in there it was you could tell that they were telling him which half of the field to throw it to and if it wasn't there take off as soon as he got the ball he was looking right and it was one of those two routes you know and <laughs> shockingly they were open a lot I mean yeah. it's kind of one of those where you go I don't know a lot about football. But if I'm the other team, I'm saying, hey, press up on that right side and make him do something different. But- well, and what's fun about what was fun about watching watching Gunner play, because Gunner is obviously the, the second string quarterback this year. And that was something I was also asked yesterday when I was on in Tulsa. Well, what about Garrett? What is what is putting Gunner out there for two quarters for the, a significant amount of two quarters into the four like what does that say to Garrett Rangel? I thought he was and I was like Garrett's a true freshman. 
the plan was always for Garrett to redshirt. His parents know it and are uh, they support that decision. Garrett is the future. Like he, this program is his, and he. There's no question that they know that. Garrett is going to learn this year. He's going to get stronger. He's going to learn the the speed of the game. He's going to learn the physicality of the game. He's going to learn how to play at the college level. He's going to continue to work out at the college level. He's going to have an off season with Rob Glass. He's going to have a full spring. And if and I think he should come back, Spencer, because he has that extra year. He's not an NFL quarterback. Why not come back and play another year? Obviously, if he does, it's Spencer's team again. I think Garrett would probably play his way into a backup role. I th- and that's I think that there would be a not a controversy, but there would be a quarterback battle for the number two spot after him after Garrett having a full year. And they were like, "Well, that makes sense." And I'm like, "But when you look at Gunner, Gunner looked really good. I'm I'm still I love the fact that there's a a Gundy out there throwing touchdown passes. I love I really enjoy Gunner." Covered him for three years in high school. Uh, it was funny. I was talking to Jason Elmquist. We both covered him, you know, because Jason runs a news press, and we were talking, and he was like, "You should, you should kind of give him a hard time." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" When he comes in, you should ask him what it's like to throw your his first career interception before his first career touchdown. And so Gunner comes in, and then he sees me, and I'm not. I don't want to. I'm not trying to make myself seem bigger than I am. But when Gunner saw Jason and I, he smiled. You know, he you could see the relief that he was like, "There's people here that I know. I'm I'm gonna be okay." And so he sets down, and we're every like I think, I think Mason was still there, and I want to say Corey Black had just come in or was fixing the lead. There were still three or four players, so the media was kind of spread out, and they didn't see Gunner come in because I think they were expecting Spencer. And so Gunner comes in, and it's just me, Jason, like two other people. And so we're kind of waiting for other media members to come in. But we're still, like, we're doing the interview. You know, like, I've got my camera up, and Jason's recording. And there's a TV camera. I think Channel 6 in Tulsa was there. And I look, everyone looking around, and we all kind of nod to acknowledge we're ready to go. And so I said, so, Gunner, how's it feel to throw your first career interception before oh your God. first career <laughs> touchdown? And I've got the audio on my phone. I'll play it for you here in just a bit. Um he he laughed. You could see, like he relieved, and he really he, like laughed and smiled. And he's like, "Yeah, I mean, it wasn't ideal, it wasn't great." And I'm paraphrasing here, but he was like, "It wasn't great, you know." But it allowed me to work through adversity. I think it was yeah. good because if you go through, and he handled it incredibly well. Because let's just go through what he did. All right, first drive was a run from Dominic for seven yards, a run from Dominic seven yards, a run from Dominic four yards, and the fumble from Dom. They come out, and that's the blocked blocked punt scoop and score by Corey Black. And then they do that field goal, by the way. So Muhammad got credit by Larry Reese. Muhammad got credit on TV. That ball hit the back of the lineman's what, so helmet. What's crazy about that is Muhammad got credit on TV and by Larry Reese, but stat broadcast gave it like – the official stat uh, official, uh, official stat sheet gave it to Tyler Lacey. Who was being blocked by, well, Lacey pushed mm-hmm. that lineman back in, pushed him enough. Well, the kick was incredibly so low. So they credited like, Lacey because which, he was the one that caused and, it. Officially. And he was he was the one that would, if that right. if the helmet would have got out of the way, it would have hit Lacey's. But, so sitting in the stands, we sat around, like as soon as it happened, we all looked at each other. That's the furthest blocked field goal we had ever seen. Yeah, because they went were thirty whatever yards back, and and it seemed like it went. It made such a loud noise. So, 
they were on their 39 or they were yeah they, they were it was a 32 yard kick so they were on OSU 22 yard line it was a 38 yard return from Corey Black yeah <laughs> yeah, that ball went shooting back there. It made um, such a, you know, that noise in baseball that uh, you can be standing in the concession line and you hear the crack of the bat and you know it's gone. Yeah, that's what it sounded like uh-huh. coming up. That's why I went. There's, I had to go back and watch. I was like, there's no way that hit a hand. No, you know, to go wild. that far. So they had the you had the block kick for the scoop and score. Um, they came back out one two, first round. So they had two plays and then uh, fourth down. So they six plays and a punt. And then the next drive, that was the interception. All right, so you had four handoffs and a fumble. Gunner completes his first pass, three yards to Ollie Gordon, incomplete, and then the interception. But it wasn't really an interception. Braylon didn't. It went right through Braylon's hands. It it did, and and Gunner, after the game, took, you know, quote, responsibility mm-hmm. for it. I think there was – I at the time, I thought, no, it went right through Braylon's hands. That's, you know, that that's not on Gundy. As soon as the ball hit it, I mean, he did like a, a now pass, right? right? And Braylon was kind of running, not a route, but it was it was sort of a bubble screen. He, it was flipped out there a little quick, I think. Uh, so you know, you there's a little shared. There's his story. There's his story, and there's what really happened. It's kind of in the middle there, a little, little shared responsibility on a pick. Uh, and then they came out, uh, incomplete pass, complete pass for eight yards, and then they had that. That was their only touchdown. Gunner comes mm-hmm. back out. Gunner's first drive, um, complete to Jaden Nixon for eight yards. Rush up the middle, complete to Stephon Johnson Jr. for eighteen yards. Stephon Johnson's going to be really good. He had uh, he had just a smooth smooth game. The, he almost had a touchdown. Yeah, and you could tell he was gassed and didn't get to the spot he needed to. Probably you know was a yard short of where he needed to be for that ball, or or Gunner put it a yard you know too far, but. Because he actually ended up running off the field, Stefan did, and he wrote he ran, he went out of bounds behind the goalpost and ran the length like the big L. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah, he's that's that's the adrenaline game right there. He'll then the next game he gets in, it won't be near as bad. Um, 18, no, 18, no, not near as bad. I mean, the guy was. Oh no, I just a, mean the exhaustion level. Oh yeah, yeah. I just mean well, his, he had just ran that. Uh, he had just done the reverse mm-hmm. right before that pass because that's something that Mike talked about. Um, was it after the Arizona State game or leading into the Arizona State? I think it was leading into Arizona State maybe, or it was after, but talking about younger defenders and experienced defenders, you know, you got the roar of the crowd. Of the you're, set, yeah. you're, you're, you can't hear anything because you're just... Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's the next game for Stefan won't be near as bad in terms what, of that. What do you see from him? What did you see in his high school that has... Because he's kind of rocketed a little bit quietly up the depth chart to where he's getting in well, I think earlier a, in the game, well, I think a lot of people. Oh, so, uh, first of all, that was uh, with Gunner. He throws the interception. His first drive after that was eleven plays, seventy yards, and throws a touchdown to Talon Chetron. Yeah, eleven. So, eleven plays, seventy yards is impressive. No matter if you're doing so, he so he figured what. it out. Yes, he did. that interception didn't. That was great. Um, I think a lot of people forget that Stephon Johnson was one of the high, more highly coveted recruits uh, out of the 2022 class. He was a he was a four star prospect. Uh, he was he. Let me just. I'll pull up his rankings here because he was. Is he commit? He was out of Desoto, commits to Oregon. He was a they. Some people list him as a as a three star, but he was he was a coveted receiver out of out of Desoto, and we all know how good Desoto is. Um, but he commits to Oregon 
and he just drops off the radar because well he commits to Oregon and people stopped recruiting him. He stopped he stopped getting you know. Let me see when he recru- when he committed. Um, his official visit was so he committed in March of twenty one. He commits in March. He gets offered by OSU May twenty fifth. His official visit to Oregon was June fourth. Uh, he went to an A and M camp, but that makes sense because he lives in Dallas. And then he doesn't, but he doesn't do anything else though. You know, he doesn't. He's not really being recruited. He's not really because he commits to Oregon. Gets he picks up two offers after that: uh, Penn State in April, OSU in March, or in May. Excuse me. And then he decommits from Oregon January 5th. So he skips. He doesn't sign in December, but he's still committed. Decommits January 5th, takes an official visit to OSU January 21st, um, SMU 28th, and then commits February 2nd and signs to OSU. Yeah. So he, he went under the radar for a long time. But when you look, I mean, he's he's very fast. He's short-handed. He's not the biggest receiver. I think he's six foot, I think is what he is. See what OSU officially okay. lists him at, but a Brennan Johnson protege, kind of, yeah. I mean, speedster, great, not but the he, biggest, good hands. You know, I, I think I think Stephon Johnson is going to be really solid. I yeah. I don't I can't sit here and say that he's going to be the next Tylen Wallace because he's very similar in stature. He's, he would need to put on some weight because um, I think he's listed at. Let's see, where's I don't know if OSU puts weights on him anymore. Oh, so OSU lists him at six two, so he's bigger. His twenty four seven is, is probably six and a half. Okay, six one. But say, what do they have? What do they have? Shetron listed. Uh, Talon is listed at six. Three. Yeah, there's not one inch difference between those I two. Think, let's see, Talon. Let's see what they got him at. They don't list. I will say OSU. They don't. They list him at six two. Now Talon is six two. Talon is a legitimate six one six two. Like he's. This Talon listed at six two is way different than Braylon Presley listed at five eight. Yeah, because Braylon Presley, if Braylon's five, and I've said this a lot, so people are like, quit saying that. If Braylon's five eight, then I'm six four, and I can tell you right now, I ain't six four. You are not. <laughs> I'm six foot. I'm I'm right around six foot. So, but yeah, Talon Talon. and we'd heard from we'd heard from Casey throughout the spring. We'd heard from Mike throughout the spring. Talon Shetron, if he stays healthy, which I'm not saying that he has health issues, if Talon stays healthy, Talon is going to be really, Talon really tid. good. You're oh my he's gosh, talented. Talon is going to win national awards, and I don't. It's not a stretch. That's not a homer pick. That's not. That's not a stretch to say that Talon's going to win national awards because he will. I, I don't know if it's a Bolitnikov. I think he's. It's capable of winning a Bolitnikov because he's big. He's physical. He already has the weight. Now he's going to continue to put on weight. He'll get bigger and stronger. Talent will win national awards. Yeah, he's spectacular. What is in the national awards? It reminds me. So, what is right now holding Langston back? Do you think? Because I mean, he got he got out there. He's not putting up making me look bad. No, not really. I'm just kidding. I think he's still a very talented receiver. I think Mike said it last week. I think yes, Langston Anderson has been here for three or four years, but. Physically, like in terms of playing football, he's a true freshman. 
he, he and that's something that Mike mentioned. He's like he looks he looks the part because he's been here for he's been in the weight room with Rob Glass for three or four years. Right. So physically, he's a red shirt junior. I, th- I think that's what he is. But in terms of on the field, he's never played like this. He he may have he took more snaps last week than he'd ever taken before. I think that's it. I think it's just he's never played. Yeah. I think he's I think he's and you could see the frustration. You can see him out there and you can see that he gets frustrated that he's not getting passes or he's not, you know, he's getting held up by a corner or a safety and he's not able to shake loose and so I think that, you know, I, I think that he has he's got to get used to playing again and I don't know. I mean, it's it's also possible that we we won't know until we get into conference play and we get more comfortable or whatever, but it's possible the injuries have affected him. You know, it's it's sure. it's, it's possible that he isn't as explosive. It's but what's when you see him in practice and and I I get it. Okay, I'm not a fool. I understand that there is a massive difference between going out and playing really well in practice and having it translate to a game. But some of the stuff he did throughout the spring and some of the stuff he did in in fall camp was really really impressive. I just don't think it's translated yet. Yeah. We'll we'll know once we get and it's it's like I said about the Big 12 yesterday uh, on our on my show is I don't think we know how good any of these teams are because you look at Oklahoma State you up big on Central Michigan they come back the whether you want to you know argue the fact that the backup defense was in or inexperienced or Central Michigan's better than we thought whatever they still beat Central Michigan but it was a bit of a struggle towards the end Central Michigan just gets whooped at home by South Alabama that's embarrassing loss you didn't put up a lot of points, but I think I think we can all agree that Oklahoma State beat Arizona State rather handily. I don't that game for me was never in doubt. Mm-hmm. And then they get beat by Eastern Washington, and Herm Edwards gets fired before. Well, they part ways before he ever leaves the field. I think he's fired. Stupid. You look at you look at Baylor. They go to double overtime with BYU, and then BYU and they get beat, and then BYU goes and gets obliterated by Oregon. You know, and but who all who what other teams has Baylor beaten? Texas State and who'd they play uh to start the season? It wasn't anybody good. Right. Well they never do. And but then you look at Kansas. Kansas beats West Virginia. I don't think West Virginia is any good, but then Kansas goes down to Houston and beats Houston. So is Kansas gonna be I, I think there's just so much parity in college football. We won't know what the Big Twelve is gonna look like until we get three weeks in. To Big Twelve play, and I think that's probably the same thing with Langston. We won't know how good he is until he gets more comfortable on the field. Yeah, and and I think that's the same same thing with the running game. We won't know because you're not going to put a lot of things on film for Baylor to look at against a Pine Bluff. You're going to run it straight forward, and that's why I wasn't concerned with the run game against Pine Bluff because even if you rushed for 400 yards, you know you're not going to learn anything. But I, I think they've realized, like we talked about, you're going to load the box. I don't think you – they were like, well, we don't need to run the ball, so screw it. And I like to see that out of Casey, that that we didn't just force – Absolutely. We didn't force the – we're going to – that old school, just we're going to run until, you know, until we figure it out and then punt and then run. You know, you only saw the punters out there three times. That's a huge – and my they're, goodness, they're, Logan Ward. Oh, boy, let me tell you. He – what was it – um what were his punts? I don't remember what they 60, were. I think he had a 63-yarder. That first one got all the ooze. They may have been two shades, 62s. Shades of Quinn Sharp. He had a sixty. He had two punts, uh, 115 yards. Yeah. So one was 63, and I think one was 
52. I think his second one was 52. Well, I think even, that math adds up, right? Even even Tom Hutton throwing out a 49-yarder, end-over-ender. 63. Let me tell you, I put my over-under two weeks ago for Tom Hutton, 42 yards a punt. Even Robert told me to take the under. He was 43.9. Now You're getting good at this over-under game. Now, Tom only had one Las punt. Vegas, if you're listening. Yeah, now, Tom only had one punt, but it was 49 yards this week. Yeah. Tom, kid, Tom Hutton is a great punter. He can punt. It I, it was a little worrisome his first year, but it's a different ball. It's a different style. He's literally halfway around the world. You know, it, it's one of those things where it was it was gonna be it was gonna be difficult, but he's figured it out. All right, so let's take it back to one more guy. I want to hit on real quick. Absolutely. Let's go to Ollie. Ollie keeps showing. The spectacular glimpses of it. He does. Yeah. He keeps showing that, and was it wasn't a massive broken tackle, uh, Marshawn Lynch, you know, mm-hmm. earthquake, pulling uh, someone over. Yeah, it wasn't that, but it was. He hit the edge. One of the things that we kind of wanted to know about Ollie's does he have the speed to run away from somebody? Did you see the picture I put up that uh, our photographer put uh, that our photographer posted? No, I didn't get to see that. It wasn't an impressive stiff arm. But when you see it in picture form, the stiff arm looks really good because it. Well, and he I don't, used it to propel himself. Yeah, because I don't. To I separate. don't. I don't think that that stiff arm kept him from. I, I, if if he had not have stiff armed that kid, I think he still probably would have scored. Probably, but because it wasn't like this shove, put your head into the dirt kind of a stiff arm. But it, it was, when you see it in picture form, you can go to Z Lancaster 91 on Twitter. Uh, our photographer, Pat Kennison, took a good photo of it. And he's, when you see Ollie just normal, he doesn't look that big. But when you see him in motion, like his arms, I mean, he looks the part. I think yeah, Ollie, I, there's glimpses of it. I think Ollie is, yeah. So, Jaden, you know, and we kind of always, always worry about the depth chart here. Mm-hmm. Jaden came out second. Ollie came out third. In my mind, Ollie's past him. I after, think, after this week, I think when we see him against an actual talented Power 5 team, I, I'm not trying to take a shot at Arizona State, but it's a different animal, right? I mean, they've got 51 new players. just fired, parted ways with their head coach. And, and, and that never happens. Uh, the feeling within the program doesn't just flip on a dime negatively towards a coach. No. Within the program... You, you can't hide things from the players. Absolutely. They're going to feel that he's probably on the way out. But I think what, it's like the same thing. We get three – we get two – I'll give two games. Two games into Big 12 play. That's where we'll see the true – is Ollie the, the second or is Jaden Nixon the second? Or let's so we ever get DeAndre Jackson? DeAndre Jackson fooled me because he was out there in warm-ups with the, with the Did pads on. Did you see on. the screenshot I sent you? I think I think I sent it to you. I don't remember – Someone had commented on one of my tweets, and I don't even remember oh, what. And then it, someone, li- and then DeAndre liked it that he was going to play. It or was. Something like it that. was. I don't. It may have been the injury piece, or I don't even know what it was. I put something on Twitter, and someone commented, "Is DeAndre Jackson going to play today?" And DeAndre Jackson liked it. Yep. I don't remember what tweet it was, but it was so, uh, what I had put. But he had liked that comment, and so, and then we get to the game, and you say. DeAndre, is he going to play? He's suited up. That's, and so, I don't know. 
Yeah. No, he he was out there with the I think he took a handoff from Gunner, you know, whenever they're doing the warm-ups. You know, the warm-ups, yeah. the 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 fake offense versus the fake defense uh running to the end zone kind of thing. And number 4, I'm assuming they didn't put Nick Martin back there. So number 4 takes it into the end zone. I thought, all right, here we go. And then and then never uh never comes through in the game. So that's a it's an interesting piece to look to look into the future for. Um, do we get a DeAndre Jackson? Because the NCAA just said no to the basketball player. So, not to switch this to basketball. No, no, I'm no. just saying I, the I'm NCAA glad you, can be a little fickle. I am glad you brought that up, but I don't think that the NCAA saying no to Russell Harrison had anything to do with the NCAA and Oklahoma State. The history between the two. No, I don't think so either. So, I think it's a math problem. Uh, yeah. Because it, you get a, you have a five year clock. Now there's rare occasions where COVID year or medical red shirt. I think Brock Martin's in his sixth year of playing football. You know, maybe seventh. I don't know, but you have a five year clock, four years in a red shirt. Traditionally, Russell Harrison played one year of basketball, took two years off, played two years at a JUCO or one year at a JUCO, and then two years at ULM. Well, that's five years. Yep. This would be his sixth year of playing basketball. There's always the thought that, you know, COVID or the fact that he took two years, like, I don't think it had anything to do with OSU and the NCAA. I know that there are fans that look at that and say, well, it's another reason the NCAA can screw Oklahoma State. I think it's just a clock issue. I think I think Russell Harrison just used up his clock and the NCAA was, yeah, I don't, I don't think your appeal – is appealing enough. I think he had enough of appeal that Oklahoma state still said, yeah, transfer in, we'll go to bat for you. Well, and see, here's the thing is he was appealing his eligibility before he even committed to OSU. Oh, okay. The, the NCAA allowed him the way I understand it is the NCAA allowed him to transfer out of ULM. And that's when the process started. Oh, and then, so and then when he official, like when he came to OSU, that's when he was screwed. Well, <laughs> So when he came, but they allowed him to transfer and like he was working on eligibility before, and then when he came to OSU, OSU furthered his cause. Like they also appeal. So, sure. but it wasn't, and and I've seen the comments. Well, if he'd have gone to Duke or Kansas or whatever, but it, I don't think I, I was here in back in June and July that it probably wasn't going to work out. And if you went to the school's website. He hasn't been on the roster for a while. Oh, really? Yeah, he hadn't. Okay. Be, he hadn't been on the roster for a long time. So quickly, that leaves us two scholarships down. Because I think we were already one, so, and then that would leave us two if they don't fill it. What, so I don't know how they do now. So I put up. Let's see in the comments section, and as I'm typing it out, I convinced myself that I was wrong. Someone asked, "Are they going to add another? Um, would they allow another?" Um, scholarship. Like, would they give? Would they give a, a walk on a scholarship? So I said no because it allows them a chance to burn two of the three that mm-hmm. they have to. Now I, I don't remember if last year. Now last year they were over anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. So this is technically the first year that they could. I think they operate. I think they were fourteen scholarships last year. I think so. You're only allowed thirteen, but this would allow them to burn two of the three. And then someone was like, well, do they have to burn all three by next year? Couldn't they not just do one this year, one next year, one the year after that? And they could. And I was like, well, it allows them to burn two because next year is going to be a heavy class. And then as I was explaining it to myself, I was like, I was wrong. But they they could potentially 
have to bring in quite a few people. So the way I explained it, you've got you don't have to burn all three by next year, but it makes sense to go ahead and burn them now. Mike Boynton has traditionally never he's filled the 13 scholarships, but he's never actually used all 13 scholarships. Because if you look at last year, I know that injury kind of played into it, but Chris Harrison, Donovan Williams didn't play a whole heck of a lot. And then Bernard Kuma and Woody Newton, they didn't play but maybe a handful of minutes. So there's four scholarships that they technically didn't really use. So if you just look at, now I don't know what eligibility is left. So when you look at John Michael Wright, I think he's just a regular senior. So he could, I think, maybe have two years left. I think Asbury might have two years left, but Avery Anderson's a senior. Chris Harris is a senior. Uh, Caleb Boone is a senior. Bernard Coombe is a senior. And John Michael Wright and Caleb Asbury are seniors. Are these all COVID seniors? I don't know. That's, okay. what I, that's but, where but, it gets fuzzy. But technically, they are listed as seniors. Yeah, Caleb has never redshirted, right? No, no. and neither right. is Avery. Mm-hmm. But there's six seniors right there. So if you just want to... Outside of COVID eligibility or redshirt eligibility or whatever, there's six seniors. I think Musa goes to the where I think he goes pro, whether it's the NBA. Mm-hmm. I was shocked he came back. I'm glad he came back because he needs to continue to improve, but I think Musa's gone. So there's seven. And right. then you have transfer like they lost four transfers last year. You don't ever think you're gonna lose transfers, but they lost transfers last year. You lose um, ice to Ohio State, you lose Donovan Williams and Keelan Boone to Pacific, and then Rondell to TCU. And then you lost Bryce Williams to graduation. So you there was five last year. Well, we're up to six with Musa just ter- in terms of – or seven? Seven. Seven with Musa. But, but here's the thing. I don't know about the eligibility. I don't know if anyone else is going to come back. But if we're just looking at the roster, the fact that they're seniors, you're six. Moose is going pro. They're seven. Is anyone else? Like, is Bryce Williams or Bryce Thompson going to try professional? That's a question you're going to have to ask. And then is anyone going to transfer, right? So, I mean, they have three commits right now. So, if we don't, if everyone comes back, including Musa, you still have six. There's three and three. So, you, you know, three commits cancels out three seniors, so you still have three spots to fill. I mean, it's I, I don't envy Mike. I, I think that college basketball is more affected than any other sport by transfer portal because you have such a smaller amount of numbers. Mm. Like last year, you lose Bryce Williams to, to graduation eligibility, and then you lose four transfers. you got to try to fill in enough spots. You know, you don't – I think they took – honestly, I think Russell Harrison was more of a favor – than it was we're going to bring him into play. He was going to play, but I thought it was a long shot anyway. But the, you could potentially lose quite a few guys from next year. So my thought was, when I first thought it through, you go ahead and burn two of the scholarships now because that's one less spot that you're going to have to fill. But if you're going to have to fill at least five, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you want to, if you want to give someone a, a scholarship this year you can burn one next year and one after that but scholarship issue and I'll, I'll go back to what I've always said I've never thought that the three scholarship reduction was ever a big deal for Mike because he's never traditional other than last year you go back through it he's never had a full complement of 13 mm-hmm. roster spots yeah, he's well, either gotten rid of players or they've left or they just haven't had a full 13 complement but last year they had 14 but 
Yeah, I still. think people forget that at one point he had a tryout at the Colvin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he brought he's in the walk-ons. There, he's over there scouting five-on-fives pickup games yeah. uh, because of kicking people off. And So I don't think it's – I don't think the scholarships are that big of a deal. Even if he, even if they, they could use all three this year, you know. But it, whatever. But Russ, to me, Russell Harrison not getting a waiver doesn't have anything to do with OSU. It has everything to do with the fact that he had used his clock up. And I think I may have been wrong. He had, he came in at six, wanted NAIA two years setting out, wanted a JUCO two at ULM. That's already six. There you go. This would have been his seventh year. It never would have worked. I don't. It, the only way it would have worked is if he had the weird medical red shirts. Mm-hmm. He's able to gray shirt or whatever, and he's able to, you know. Well, he tore his ACL this year. He tore his ACL. His, you know, his mom died this year. His his grandma died that year, and it was just the most unfortunate circumstances. Because there's there's always some offensive lineman at Iowa that's played seven years, and look at Brock Martin. You know, there's always the rare circumstances, but I don't think this was it. No. Okay, so there's your. There's your September basketball preview. It's weird. I will say I think Quinn and Williams is going to be good. Yeah. I'm talking to Tom Dorado. And Tom is never, ever big on freshmen. He's not the type of guy to, I don't want to say hype up, but I need to see a freshman play in an actual basketball game. And he's kind of like that to an extent with Quinn, but physically he said this kid is, you would never have guessed that he's a freshman. And he the way he plays, you wouldn't guess that he's a freshman. He's still learning the the speed of the game. He's still learning the physicality of the game. But he said that he's going to play a significant amount of minutes, but not because they need him. And that's not typically something that Tom, you know, because we had him yeah. we had him a couple weeks ago, and that's not typically something Tom talks about highly enough with a, with a freshman. I need to see it, and I think Quinnen's going to be pretty good. Yeah, it'll be fun. It's going to be fun to watch him. It's going to, we have there's a lot of new faces, a lot, and then the steady in Musa and Bryce Thompson and, and Caleb Boone. I think Tyreek Smith is going to uh, play yes, a significant I'm a big fan role. Of him. Oh yeah, and that's because I and I I forget about him too, but that's because he didn't really play a big role last year because he was figuring it out. But by the end of if he picks up this year where he left off last year, I think he'll be just fine. Yeah. Same with Musa. Well, and he, he is better when he's allowed to be physical. Yeah. When they're calling ticky-tack fouls, Tyreek Smith, and we've had those guys forever, are, are bigs, that when the refs are calling ticky-tack fouls, they're in trouble. Well, Caleb was that way mm-hmm. his first couple of years. Yep. All right, so let's let's take it. We've, we've hammered the offensive side of the – we're going back to football. Yeah. Back to football. Yeah, this is a podcast. We can go wherever wherever the conversation it's been takes a weird, us. It's, so. been a, it's been a weird day, well, it's, but not a bad day. No, but so it's bye week, so we can kind of flip and flop around. There is no bye week in the media. No. You don't get a week off. I don't. Well, I get a weekend, but not a week. No high school. Well, I guess I turn my mic back on. Sorry about that. No, um, I don't know. Probably. Probably go somewhere Friday, but I don't have anything Saturday. Yeah. Well, my wife's birthday is Saturday, so I wouldn't have done anything. I'm glad there's no football. That was very considerate um, of OSU football to, uh, to there. That. There you go, Oklahoma State. It doesn't have anything to do with nothing else, but my wife's birthday. Well, it works out well for me. I've got a double header for nine or eight year old softball. Look at you. So, yeah, really appreciate them. Yeah, they're, they're considerate, considerate this year. Um, and, and and I love hearing you know Mike talk about what their bye week um, schedule is. That they go, they're heavy Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then give them Friday, Saturday. Um, I mean, that's that's huge for the, the players' bodies that have been going. People think, 
oh, it's the you know an early bye week only after three three games before the non conference. These guys have gone for a month. They only had probably a week, maybe week and a half, two weeks off from summer. They're two, so they're about when they get their break, they'll be two months in because they start first week of August. But take it back before that, Rob Glass having them all summer. So you get you have spring foot. So you have Rob Glass. Uh, the, they get a couple weeks off, and then get they get their winter workout. So it's about a month, month and a half. They get a couple days off. They start spring football, and then they're to the end of April, and they get, I think it's two to three weeks in May that they that they get for themselves. But they're still working out. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still in the gym. They may not be in Stillwater, but they're still, and they might be in Stillwater. But they're they're off. They're still in the gym. They're still staying in shape. They're back in June for metabolics, and they have. About two and a half ish months, they get a, they get a a few weeks off throughout the summer, spread out, and then I think they get a week or two off before August. But then from August, it's and that yeah, it's and starting out. in August. It's it's hitting people. Yeah, it's all out. So they've from the start of they've they've maybe had one full month, maybe a month and a half since the end of the season. And and really, so the NCAA schedule says that they have to have one day a week completely off from practice, right? And mm-hmm. that Mondays, don't they get Mondays off? Because they come back Sunday and I think do it's, kind of a walkthrough. They I do mean, a practice. They practice on Sunday. Oh, they practice on Sunday. Which is surprising to me. I thought they would, to me, like I kind of assumed it would be like high school. You play Friday or like um, or like a mid, like middle school or junior high. Let's say you play on a Thursday night and you get that next day off or whatever. You play on a Tuesday night. When I growing, it was always you play, you come back that next day was a donut day. You watch film, you eat donuts, whatever, and then you get then you're back at it. But they they play gonna, sat, they play Saturday and they come back. They watch film on Sunday and then they practice. On I'm gonna Sundays. bet. Yeah, they do donuts, but it's the tackling donuts. Yeah, it's, Rob Glass didn't probably pass. I'm donuts. surprised they don't have Sunday off. I well, really thought it'd be like watch film, cold tub hot tub you know and then relax sunday and then back out it on monday but it's not well that's one of those you're, you're training your body to to know that by the end of the game saturday night that's not the end of your week right you know you've got more to do and i think that that's part of the well it that, clearly that, works <laughs> it, it works out well but i think it's part of the rob glass system of training for more than what you're going to need yeah and so you know getting that monday off so the point being, they haven't had a lot of weeks off. So getting a, well, they haven't had any weeks off since July. Yeah, no, this is an important week. Uh, the fact that, well, like we get, I I like it in the media because it doesn't seem as busy. Like we still, obviously we're still working. There's still stuff to do. But instead of having Gundy's on Monday, we get Gundy on Tuesday. After practice, we get players. They're going to go, I think, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I think they get Thursday through Sunday off, and I think they're back at it on Monday, or maybe they're back at it on Sunday. But I'm pretty sure that Mike said they get three full days. Yeah, the, no, they're back at it Sunday, so um, they'll get and then Monday, Thursday, start Friday, Saturday off. off, which is incredibly important. Now, I've always wondered if getting three days off towards the beginning of the season is important because I think last year their bye week was later in the season. I don't think mm-hmm. it was till like October or November. Because then it's all out from August to October or August to November, or do you split it? Because if anything, I would feel it's more beneficial in the middle of October 
because you get one full month of practice, you get three games and then an off, and then you're right in the conference play till the very end, or do you go August to the start of the season and then you play four or five games and then take off, and then you have a second half of the season? Well, but I don't know. Mike said after the – I think it was after the game, it may have been with Robert, uh, that he said that if you – if you could schedule, if you were the one who could who could pick, you'd probably put one more week and then have the bye week, you know, so that it calendar wise, not necessarily schedule wise, but calendar wise, from August to December lines up right in the middle. But I mean, I think you you just kind of roll with it wherever it is. And uh, last year, yeah, it was a little bit later, um, which and I don't really know whether that hurts or helps because last year we were so injured at wide receiver, yeah, you know that uh, that they were trying to. They were just trying to get seven guys to be able to run routes. Yeah. Well, um, and I think that's something that when you think about this year, there's a lot of questions about receiver as well. Like, well, is it going to be Brennan? Is it going to be Braden Johnson? The, I, I was thinking about this the other day, Jaden Bray. You know, it's he's in, he's very talented, but he's still out. You know, when you, when you get Jaden Bray back, that's going to throw another wrinkle into this offense. And I think that's something that, People don't forget about Jaden Bray, but I think that they forget. It's like monkey see, you know, it's like if I out of sight, out of mind, you know, it's I know he's there, but I don't see him play on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. I don't hear about him in press conferences. I don't hear about him at practice. Oh, Jaden Bray's back, you know, and then it's another wrinkle. Blaine Green as well. I mean, the yeah. talent that he is going to be. Um, yeah. I think I saw Rashad Owens lining up quite a bit in that kind of cowboy back uh, that in would, the middle. That makes the most sense to me. Yeah. I never I I think Jake Schultz is going to be good, but the Schultz fact that, was out there a couple times on defense. Yeah, and that it's so weird because when you think about Schultz moving from linebacker to DN, then DN to to cowboy back, Rashad Owens I think is he's still learning, but I think he's too good to not have involved so he's just buried in the receiver depth chart. He's already big. He's like 6'2", 6'3". He's already big and physical. It made sense. To me, it makes the most sense just to put him at Cowboy back full-time, whether yeah. it's injured or not, because I think he's he's a good receiver threat. So it, it, I like to see him line up at Cowboy back. I would have rather have seen it. How did you feel about Derek Mason's plan, the amount of the amount of blitzing? Um, you know, didn't see a whole lot from Colin Oliver uh, this last game. Saw a lot from Trace Ford. A lot of that was um, special teams. He got the he got the uh, punt block and return. Uh, that is the first time in school history that Oklahoma State has blocked and returned two kicks for scores. Yep. So so if if you were one of the fifty five thousand that they claim was there, I thought for a period there was fifty five thousand. See, I didn't even know that was our full capacity. It's anymore. like fifty-five-six. I think. Is it like fifty-five-six oh nine? You got to see like history. I there. I thought it was. I was I was very very impressed mm-hmm. with the crowd, uh, and they stayed a lot longer than I thought. Uh, so I was impressed with the defense because if you look at the first half on defense and really on offense, other than Spencer, I think the starters stayed out for a long for a long period. I think most of the first half you saw starters. Seven points, and that was after the interception from Gunner. Held him to 87 total yards, 20, through, 20 on the ground. So 67 passing yards, 20 yards on the ground. They were 10, uh, they had 10 completions, 26 attempts with one touchdown through the air. And that was the first half stats. I don't really look at second half stats. They had 143 yards, which 
is still impressive. I mean, if you can hold a team to 143 yards and a half, but it was mainly mainly second guy, second string, third string, waddle mm-hmm. walk-ons. Mm-hmm. So I, when I look at the stats, I look at first-half stats, the fact they held them to seven points, the fact that it was 87 total yards, they had nine rushes for 20 yards, 10 to 26, one touchdown. They had um, five first downs. They were one and nine from third down. That is really impressive. The numbers are even even talking about FCS Pine Bluff, but it's the fact that communication seemed a little tighter. And I think that's what you're going to get throughout the year. You're going to get a little. There's not going to be a drastic improvement from one week to the next. Nothing is going to be completely fixed one week from the next. However, I think this bye week is incredibly, incredibly important because you have three games of film. You have three games of experience, three games of mistakes, and now you have a full week of film. You have a full week of practice, a full week to figure it out. You get three days off to relax, three days to, to figure some stuff out, catch your breath, three days to get hungry, come back, and then you have a week of, week to prepare for Baylor. What's Baylor going to look like? I don't know. It's what we talked about. I, I think this whole thing is crazy. Teams, if you've struggled and then you still won, and then that team that you struggled to beat got blown out by a lesser opponent the next week, it's such a topsy-turvy, crazy, uh, crazy year. So, But the fact that you get two weeks before Baylor, two weeks to work on everything, two weeks to watch film, two weeks to continue the communication – I think that Kendall Daniels from week one to now is a different player. And I think from where we're at now with Kendall Daniels to the time we get to, uh, let me pull it up here. So after Pine Bluff, from Central Michigan to Pine Bluff, Kendall Daniels is a different player. From Pine Bluff to TCU, October 15th, that's basically one month. He's going to be a different player in one month. I think that Corey Black is going to be a different player in one month. I think that... Thomas Harper is going to be a different player. Now, he's not going to be they're not going to be perfect players. They're not going to all all, all of a sudden in one month be Tanner McAllister or Jark Bernard Converse. They're not going to be a Colby Harvell Peel, but they're going to be better than they were now, which is an improvement because it's where they're at now is better than where they were in week 1. No, Same with Mason Cobb. Same with Xavier Benson. You know, I think this defense has improved week to week to week. And I think the bye week, as I, as I would rather have seen a bye week later in that grueling schedule, I think it comes at a good time because it allows them to take stock and then they get into Big 12 play. Yeah, Mason Comp has, has been surprisingly impressive, not because we didn't think anything bad about him, because we didn't know anything about him. Yeah. Uh, he has been that He's been as Eddie. advertised. He has. And, yeah. and uh, 24 tackles, I think, through three games. Well, really two and a half games. Uh well, probably closer to two, two and a quarter, because he probably didn't play a ton in the second half of Central Michigan and then didn't play at all in this last game. So that's really 24 tackles in about two, two and two and a half games at the most. So he's been he's been good. I think Benson hasn't been popping up on the Jumbotron. Benson's as, figuring it out. He is. I think that he is when you have two linebackers. Last year, we had Malcolm and Devin that were making plays everywhere. That gets you in the mindset that that's what they're going to do. I think a lot of times you have one linebacker who's filling the hole and the other linebacker who's making a tackle. And right now it seems like um, Mason is the one who's making the making the tackle. And, I, and it makes sense because Xavier Benson is going to be good. 
you know, he's he's already improved incrementally in the first couple of weeks. He's still got a long ways to go, but he's gotten better. The fact that Mason has been in the system for three years, the fact that Xavier Benson has been in the system for eight months, and I, th- I think that shows. I think Xavier Benson is going to be really good, but he doesn't know the system fully yet. His confidence level is not quite where it needs to be. He's he's going to be just fine. It's been a rough start. Like that Central Michigan game, he had. He, I think he was like the second or third leading tackle. That was the only highlight. He was lost, and he's gotten incrementally better. Um, and all these guys will continue, as you just said, will continue to, to do that because we – we have all the same coaches that we did last year, minus um, Jim Knowles, add in Derek Mason, yeah. who is a great coach himself. We've seen the just in three games. Yeah. We've seen the improvements from him, mm-hmm. and and like you said, that's going to continue. It's going to be exciting to see the 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 benchmark is going to be this Baylor game. This Absolutely. is this is a great one. If it were Kansas coming up, I don't know that we. No, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, if, this were, uh, West, if this were West Virginia <laughs> coming up. Now, I had to throw that in there. Kansas has been like, what? Bonkers. Um, and so if it were if it were another cupcake game, yeah. I don't know that that is what even Gundy would want to see. I think Gundy is ready for a benchmark game. Actual competition. I, yeah. agree, I agree. And even if Baylor isn't as good as they were last year, when you look at Baylor last year, they got it's like Oklahoma State. The Baylor and Oklahoma State teams that faced each other to start Big 12 play, that was a totally different team than what faced that first week of December. That's going to be the case this year. The The Oklahoma State team that faced Central Michigan is going to be different than the team that faces Baylor, and the team that faces Baylor is going to be totally different than the team that faces Iowa State November 12th. Yeah. It's, it'll be it'll be totally different, and I think that that's that's something that's really important to look at. Is the coaching staff has gotten better from week one to week three? The team has gotten better from week one to week three. More confidence week one to week three. Better communication. Now, this team will struggle in Waco against Baylor. I, I'm not gonna I'm not sitting here saying that they are going to lose, but there will be there will be struggles. This is a better team that they've faced. Uh, this will be a more athletic team than they have faced. This will be a better talented team that they have faced, and obviously a much, much better coaching staff than they have faced. So there will be wrinkles. You'll see some setbacks against Baylor, but it'll tell, like you just said, it's a benchmark. It'll tell you exactly where this team is and where they need to improve. But is Baylor as good as as this team, as we think they could be? You know, like you go back to Big 12 media days, and I think expectation levels then to now have changed. Baylor's still a good team. I'm not sitting here saying that Oklahoma State's going to go down there and just absolutely wallop Baylor. That's not that's not what I'm saying. I don't think you can look at the BYU game and say, well, this isn't a good team because they've only beaten Albany and Texas State. It's a different team than I think people thought, but they're they're figuring it out. And the same thing with Baylor towards Oklahoma State. This is this Baylor BYU is a really good program, but once you get into Big 12 play. You get into Big 12 speed, Big 12 style, I think it'll be. I don't know. It's such a it's such a topsy-turvy season. I don't think we know I don't think we'll know who anyone is until probably homecoming, Texas October 22nd. And by then you'll have a pretty decent idea what the Big 12 is. Yeah. It's weird. Well, this is this is going to be it's going to be fun to see how our front 7 makes Shapen look human because yeah. he wasn't in in 
the first half of um, the Big 12 championship last year. So what we learned in the second half that worked, um, you know, trying to implement that, these the front seven guys getting in his face, hitting him a few times, and then our, our back guys, the back five, are, that makes 12. You know what I mean. Yeah. Front six, back five. They have to stay on those guys. There, there is no communication mishap because that's it's every time we have a communication mishap in against Baylor, it's going to be a touchdown. Absolutely, because Shapen will put it on. He'll put it on point quickly, and uh, so I think kind of my last point here, as as we got to go, is is that the improvements that needed to happen in the non-conference, the non-conference kind of, it was what we thought it was. Who was that? Uh, Dennis Green? Yeah. You know, so they are who we thought they were. It was what we thought it was. We would blow some teams out. Arizona State would would be a little closer than the other two games. And that the we would find out about the young defense. Well, the young, the young back five. We would find out. First game, not so hot. Second game, big improvements. Third game, hey, we just pitched our first Second half shutout mm-hmm. of the year this last game. So, and that's and the offense has has Spencer has looked the he has fig, he has picked up exactly where he left off in the bowl game, which is the first time that's happened because he was really good against Miami, and then I know he was hurt a little bit, but it took him a while to figure out in twenty in twenty twenty where he needed to be, and then twenty twenty you know where he he leaves off. He kind of, I, I hesitate to say regressed, but it took him a, it took him three or four weeks in twenty one to figure it out. Throw the ball away, take slides, don't take unnecessary risks, and then the defense continued. And then he was incredible, one of the best performances we've seen from a quarterback in the Fiesta Bowl. That's where he's picked up, and that's really important. Yeah. Now he's not, he is not that, he's not as good as he was against Notre Dame, because that was just an all-out performance. It's just ridiculous. But he is, he. there wasn't much drop-off. He's figured it out. He's, it's clicking. No, Spencer Spencer has been what we've needed Spencer to be. 100%. And that's what you have to have from your quarterback. Yeah, this non-conference has been really beneficial, and I'll argue that the Pine Bluff game was beneficial mm-hmm. because we figured out some stuff and, and it, objectives were met. Backup quarterbacks got a lot of snaps. We we got a lot of the second and third strings, a lot of snaps and a lot of looks, and communication was worked on. and And I think that I, th- I think that we learned a lot in the first three games. I think from Michigan we learned a lot. I think Arizona State we learned a lot. And I think Pine Bluff we learned learned a lot. And then the off week I think is going to be incredibly beneficial going into a week against Baylor. But that's going to do it for the Pokes Report podcast. Be sure to check us out at pokesreport.com. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at Pokes Report. Uh, Z Lancaster 91. B Murphy 47. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you next time here on pokesreport.com.